Well, welcome everybody to the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. My name is Chad Thompson, and today I have a very special guest from Around the Mountain Artisans. I have a writer by the name of Greg Lilly from Abingdon, Virginia on today, and we're very excited to speak with him and talk about some of his pieces of work, which are available at the Southwest Virginia Cultural Center. And he does have a website as well, greglilly.com, where you can check out more about his books and merchandise and be able to support him that way as well. And first of all, Greg, thank you so much for coming on this morning. We're, we're very excited to have you. I was glad that you reached out to me. And uh, I've been reading up on some of your work and checking out a few things you got going on there. And uh, just excited to talk to you today. Well, well, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, I look forward to it. Yeah, so uh, I see that you're currently from Abingdon, and uh, have you lived in Abingdon your whole life? If you've been a, are you a Southwest Virginia native, or did you move to the region? Or yeah, I grew up in Bristol and went to John Battle High School, um, and from there went on to Virginia Tech. So yeah, I've been you know, born and bred here forever. Uh, but when I got out of Tech, we were in a recession as we tend to do, and this was in the eighties. And um, I went down to Charlotte to work for Belk department stores in their headquarters down there. And uh, was there for almost 20 years. And after that, I went to Sedona, Arizona, and I was there for four years. And then off to Williamsburg, which is where I was just before here. So I was in Williamsburg for 11 years, I think. Um, and then back here um, to take care of my mom as she was getting older. So, you know, family called me back and been here for two years, back for two years now. Well, that's an excellent story. It's always nice to hear that uh, that we get to get out and explore and see different parts of the world. And, and I've noticed a common theme that it seems like Southwest Virginia also is these mountains are very good at calling us back home a lot of times as I've I've heard from uh, a few other members that you know they've moved away to different areas and explored what all's out there and then for one reason or another they they end up back in the region and it's definitely well, a great it, region. It gives you a great perspective of life cuz I know at 18 when I was ready to go off to college I mean, I was encountered a lot of people from Northern Virginia, and they actually felt like Southwest Virginia was um, like the Waltons. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, not really. It's, I said, you know, we, we, we have indoor plumbing, we have <laughs> uh, telephones in the house, and, uh, you know, all this, but they actually had that kind of perceptive, that perception that we, uh, were fairly backward from them so it was it was kind of good to get in classes with them and, and kind of show them <laughs> that we knew what we were doing it, it it is interesting to to see those stereotypes and and in the conversation of books i believe there's actually a book or two at the cultural center i forget which writer wrote these books but it, it kind of talks about those stereotypes and how people sometimes often perceive this region uh in, in this kind of backwoods manner but yet but we're not, and and I think that's interesting. Even in Northern Virginia, I've seen people uh, across various social medias. They'll see some of our beautiful landscapes and things, and be like, "That's in my state. Like those mountains and things exist here." And it's like, "Yeah, it's just six, seven hours down the road. Come visit us sometime. Maybe you'll, you know, get to see something different." So, I guess talking in the realm of books, what what actually got you started in in writing? 
Well, actually, uh, you know, in school, I wasn't that crazy about English and writing. And, um, but it wasn't until I went down to Belk um, and they had hired me because I had computer skills and they were getting into basically what today is distance learning. So where we put training online so all the stores could get to it. Uh, with that, we had to write manuals for computer systems. So I was writing manuals and they're so boring. <laughs> you, know, you know, because it's procedure. One, you know, and when we're trying to explain, you, you always start off trying to explain why you're doing this, you know, why you're going through this computer system. And I would make up stories, you know. So I remember one of them, I was um, made up a story as the overview of the system where these two sales associates from the, a small store in Georgia had gotten together and were sitting at Hardee's and talking about this new system and the people from Charlotte coming in to um, train them and they were nervous about it, you know, trying to alleviate some of those stress that people had when a new computer system went in. Um, the VP didn't think that was a very good idea. So, so he actually said, you know, why don't you explore um, writing fiction? Um, outside of work. And I said, well, yeah, I will. So I got into a critique group uh, in Charlotte and kind of started off there. And that's kind of how it got in because it was like I was trying to, to make the technical manuals a little more entertaining mm -hmm. and kind of got pushed off to do that outside of work. That's interesting that uh, uh, they don't take those things into consideration. I, I remember training at various retailers throughout the years and there was one retailer, it was, it was a home improvement retailer, and they had this very extensive online learning system, and they had somewhat of a narrative, but it was more of a, I felt like they were trying to teach a child how to do the job versus like an adult. They just didn't have a very, which I, I guess in the corporate world, you have kind of limitations on what you're allowed to do, and there's some gray areas there. But I think in that type of learning, having some type of fun way to do it would, would make somebody soak in the information a little better, but that's neat that uh, that's how you actually got your start in, in, in the writing fiction. So I guess from that, what stemmed one of your first pieces? You know, I think everybody, when they write their first book, their first story, um, it, it's, it's kind of something that your fantasy, what you want to do. My first story, um, and it's, it's pretty much out of print now, was called Devil's Bridge. And that was when I was working in the corporate world and I would go on vacation out to Arizona. And I was like, gosh, you know, I just want to quit everything, get out of the corporate world and just start over. And that's kind of what the book was about. Um, you know, I made up characters that uh, their lives were just coming to dead ends in Charlotte. And they were like, we just need to go. We just need to start again. They were in their 30s. And it's like, we just need to do it. Um, so that was fleshing out that fantasy of leaving the corporate world behind and taking off. Um, and it was, a, it was an okay book, you know, <laughs> your, your first step always comes out and it's kind of like you cringe when you look back 20 years later. Um, but it kind of got me going and, and it showed that I could finish a book length work um, and it got published. So it was actually the second book that, that I wrote the second published book uh, my second book i wrote so I put that put devil's bridge away and started working on the mystery um and the mystery got published first 
because it was better, is easier to categorize a mystery. Um, and then they came back to me and said, it sold well, what else do you have? And I pulled the drawer open and sent that one to them. They published it as well. Well, that's excellent. And I, I feel like uh, a lot of people can relate to the the Devil's Bridge book. Is I find that even, even today I see people all across uh, the Internet talking about how they just want to drop everything and go. So I feel like that's one of those books a lot of people out there could – pick it up and, 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 and relate to something like that. And I think when writing, and when you mentioned that in school you weren't very big on writing, I was the same way. I, I despised English class. It was one of my least favorites. And I, I was always more into history and, and, and math and science. And But I find it funny that the things I enjoyed the most in school are the things that I utilize the, the least now. Uh, writing has since then become something big, especially my current job doing lots of blog posts and, and such. And it, it's interesting to see how we, we change as, as we grow throughout life from one interest to another. Oh, yeah. That's the way, you know, in high school, you know, I got awards for math and science and going to tech. That's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, and, and I got um, basically uh, managed which was kind of the business side of computer science out of tech. And uh, so I thought that's what I'd be doing, you know, but it was the storytelling that came up, you know, and it, uh, somebody asked me where that came from. And I have to say it came from the family. Um, the Lilies are a long line of storytellers. And, um, and, and my mother would have said that my father was, the worst of the storytellers because she could, <laughs> she could never get the truth out of it. Um, he was always telling some kind of story. Um, but I think that's where it came from. Cause I remember us riding, uh, we'd load up the station wagon and go to Myrtle beach in the summer. And, you know, you would lose the radio stations as you drove across the mountain. And so my father, as he drove, would just tell us stories. So that was really a big part of it. And I found that when I was doing training, because I actually did stand up training as well um, for, for computers and things, I would tell people stories. And um, so I think that's that basic structure of storytelling is kind of what kept me going with writing, because I could write them down and really um, polish them more than when they come straight out of your head. Um, so that was one thing I liked. Again, that more logical side of me would, would kick in. I was like, okay, I want to make sure it makes sense because you can just tell a story and it kind of rambles around. But when you can get it on paper, you can really polish it up and make sure that it uh, it's logical and one thing flows to the next. Yeah, I would almost venture to say that, that storytelling is, is probably one of the biggest foundations for anything that's artistic or creative, because you can't have a good movie without a good story, a good book, a, a good painting, a photograph. Everything in, in the creative world revolves around being able to tell a good story. And I think that, uh, and that's one of the reasons we started this podcast is it's, you know, stories from everybody across the region. And I think that's one thing that Southwest Virginia has a, a great grip on is, is our ability to tell great stories, especially, you know, uh, sitting down with our elders and just hearing about how times were, 
50, 60, 70 years ago is, is, is fascinating to me just to see how things were different and how things have changed and just seeing these creative uh, comparisons and, and contrasts to, to then and now is, is a very neat thing. Oh, yeah, as quickly as things have changed. I mean, because I remember my grandparents, they were born, my grandfather was born in 1901 and my grandmother in 1904, I think. Um, and just listening to them as to what it was like when they were young, because they were here in Washington County. My grandmother was from uh, Reedsville, North Carolina. And my grandfather met her when he went over there to work in a mill when he was in his 20s and brought her back here. Um, but they were up here uh, in Moccasin Gap um, off Highway 58 as you go over to Lebanon. Um, for year, generations, they were there. You know, and they would talk about, uh, you know, those first cars that came around. And I was like, you know, and we're so, so far ahead technology but the people are the same you know it, yeah. we're all struggling with the same thing we all you know people get lonely people get mad at each other um, there's conflict between uh, mothers and daughters fathers and sons and you know that's universal that's that's true and and i guess on on the car comment i, I can relate to that is uh, growing up prior to everybody having cell phones and like when when I tell a kid that they just look at me and think I'm like this ancient person and I'm like no I'm I'm only about a third of the way through my life I'm not that, <laughs> that far along just yet but thinking about that then and now uh, let's compare that to the the books you've been writing more recently compared to some of the first ones you came out I think some of your ones that really stick out I know Stray is, is a big one on the list and uh, it looks like the Wolf Crystal and the Shadow Wolf yeah, Stray, um, I had been working on for years, and that came as I thought about um, my father. He passed away probably about seven years ago. And, you know, it was one of those things. I had my view of him as the son. My mother had her view of him as the ex-husband. Um, and my uncles had their view of him as a brother and all those different views did not line up. Hmm. You know, he was, he was somebody different to each one. Mm -hmm. So this image, um, when I was thinking about it of a shapeshifter came in. Um, and that was always like in native American legend and stuff. The wolf would be the shapeshifter. Um, so I used kind of that analogy um, and, and the wolf worked well, too. Um, I mean, I'm not saying anything out of school when I say that my father was a bit of a ladies man and would run around a lot. Um, so, you know, the old wolf whistle and all that where they're, you know, a guy's chasing a woman. Um, so that image kind of developed and I kind of use that as um, a symbol for the father in Stray. Um, so it was nice to kind of put, take that dynamic and put it on a fictional family that's here in Southwest Virginia, that it's been here for generations. Um, and all of a sudden there's, um, and I think I made Finn, who's the father, probably about 10 years older than me. And his son 
Cal is probably 10 or 15 years younger. So I kind of put my, put them above me and below me in age so that I could understand both of them. And so I just kind of went through with that and said, okay, what happened um, if Tal wakes up one morning and his father's gone and his mother doesn't know where he is. So the father just disappears one night. Um, and that happened to us, uh, but we knew where my father went. So we, <laughs> you know, he, he didn't really leave. Uh, well, he left uh, the house, but uh, we knew where he went. So, but I thought, what if they didn't know where he went? And how would you find out? Everybody uh, assumes something. And now as the kid has grown up, his grandmother comes to him and says, you know, before I die, I want to know what happened to your father. I want to know what happened to my son. Um, you need to find out. So that's the call to action for the hero of the story is that now, 30 years later, he's got to hunt down what happened to his father. And then he goes and talks to uncles and his grandmother and his mother and tries to piece everything together. So it's a bit of a uh, Appalachian Southern mystery that goes on with it. That's very interesting. It's definitely very creative too. I like how you can take those real life events and then turn them into this, this piece that, that holds a lot of uh, similarities and comparisons or parallels to your life, yeah. but also create this story. And it makes me kind of think about books that I've read in the past a little bit differently. Now, maybe uh, somehow those, writers have put themselves in their lives somehow into these magical stories. And, and so that kind of gives me a whole new perspective now that I never even thought about before. That's, that's a very interesting take on it. Yeah. I think, you know, we, we all do that, uh, especially here in um, Southwest Virginia. It, the family is core to just about everything we do. Um, and, you know, and that's what brought me back here. Um, and, I don't know if I see that everywhere else, you know, everywhere else I've, I've gone, especially out West. Um, it's a new West and people move a lot. And if you ask people about their family, a lot of them just, Oh, I've lost touch with so-and-so. And it's kind of like, you're kidding <laughs> with us. You know, it's, it's constant. And um, it's, we carry it with us from birth to, to the grave and we're always there. Uh, so it does, it did surprise me like when, to go to California and people were just like, Oh yeah, you know, I've got, I've got brothers and sisters, but I haven't talked to them in years. Wow. I just, I can't imagine that. That That is a hard one to, uh, to imagine. Like I, I'm thinking just now when you were saying that, you know, my, my uncle lives maybe a two minute walk from my house. My dad's, maybe two to three minutes as well. I have aunts and uncles. Everybody's within, I would say, a half an hour of me, with the exception of a few distant relatives. So having that family connection is, is definitely something we have here in the region is, is everybody's so close and inviting, and especially around like the holidays and gatherings, like and just to see everybody come together is a great thing. And I remember as a kid, the family reunions were a, were a big event that we always had and everybody came in from everywhere and there's all of these mass gatherings and now going into my middle adult years I, I'm not seeing that as much as I used to it's it's like 
slowly over time, uh, there was less and less that would show up to the point where we don't even get together like we used to like that. Yeah, and I think what's happening, um, and in the book, it kind of alludes to that with uh, Grandma Rung, who's who's the uh, matriarch of the whole uh, family. She, you know, she's in her 90s. And you get the feeling that when she's gone, um, the cousins and aunts and uncles will will fall apart. Um, you know, and I'm seeing that with my grandparents gone. My cousins, I rarely see them. Um, well, in fact, the only time we see each other are at funerals now. Hmm. Even though they're not that far away, everybody's got their own life, and we all get busy and things like that. But there's no, there's no grandparent yeah. pulling everybody back together. They're, they're but kind of, you know, like the glue of the family. Yeah, but but then, if you think about it, then we, as we get older, are starting our own little grandparent families. So I guess that's just the nature of the beast: is that we just grow up and we become the grandparents, uh, parents and grandparents, and the kids come back to us. Well, that's true. That, that's definitely a different way to look at it. It kind of makes me think about. Our, our uh, perception of time as, as we get older. I know when, when I was a kid, it seemed like time just went forever. You know, a, a day just seemed like an eternity in a, in a good way, in a sense. But now as an adult, I can't even believe that we're almost through the first month of 2021. Like, I, I don't know where this month went, but it's almost over. And, you know, and then I think about it, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be like, wow, it's Christmas time. Where, oh. where did this year go? So... It's interesting how our perceptions of time as well uh, change as we get older. So that's another parallel, I guess, we could look at there. So I guess, uh, I don't know, I didn't want to keep you too long today in case you have some things to do, but do you have any other books that you're maybe currently working on that you might have coming out in the in the future? Yeah, actually, you know, with the uh, Wolf Crystal books, we... Last when was 2019? Again, time flies. So it's kind of hard to. I got to think about it. Um, I got together with Becky um, Britt, who is the executive director for the Virginia Highlands Festival. So when I moved here from Williamsburg, I met with Becky because I met her before at the Virginia Commission for the Arts conference, um, and I just told her I said I moved here and. You know, I want to get involved in things. And she came up with a project that the Highlands Festival wanted to do of kinetic art. And we didn't know exactly what kinetic art was going to be, but basically it's anything that was movement. So they started saying, okay, let's do some uh, puppetry. Let's do some drones. Let's uh, have um, the Highlands um ballet company come do some some dance with it and they're like we need we need a story we need something to pull everything together all this movement and as they were talking about it they wanted something to do with the area and the history of abington and i live very near the cave house here in abington and I was like, well, what about the 1760 story of Daniel Boone coming through and his dogs getting attacked by wolves? Um, and they're like, well, yeah, how can we do that? 
So we started brainstorming and came up with the idea of what if there were wolves still here and they lived in the cave system underneath Abington. So there's a lot of rumors about the cave system. Some say it goes from cave house to the barter to Martha. Um, some say it might even go down to Bristol Caverns. Who knows? <laughs> but but they've always said, okay, well, that's where the, cave, where the um, wolves were. So the what if for the story was what if uh, wolves still lived here? Um, and then you think, well, why would they be here? So we came up where they guard the wolf crystal. And the wolf crystal gives power to, to nature and keeps everything in balance. Well, what happens, we, we need a villain, uh, and the villain's technology. Um, so I created Glow, who's the leader of the screenheads. And the screenheads are people that keep their heads down looking at their screen all the time. So they don't see the beauty of Southwest Virginia. You know, their heads down, they're looking at the screen. They don't look up and see the sunset or the sunrise. And they're missing that. Um, so we kind of use that as the storyline. Um, and our thought is to do three books or, or three stories. So the first book is The Wolf Crystal, talking about this. The second one is The Shadow Wolf that came out last summer. Um, and the third one I'm working on now. So um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and they're they're nice, fun, short books that take place all around Abington and pull in different aspects of the town, some history of it, and um, you know I think they're kind of geared toward um, middle grade. So children like it, but there's enough in it that adults are entertained as well. So that's been a new direction for me because I've always written like, you know, uh, adult novels. So it's kind of fun to try something that's middle grade and younger. And my uh, nieces and nephews have small children of their own. So it's fun to kind of read it to them and see how they react. So it's a different audience. And that's been a lot of fun, but that's what I'm working on now. That's really a uh, a creative concept, especially to anybody that is familiar with the Abingdon area and knows anything about these cave systems. I, I've only ever got to see just a portion of it. There was a, a tour that the Barter Theater was doing about two or three years ago, and one of the things they did was take us down into the basement, and they showed us the entrance to their part of the cave, and we got to go in about one foot or so. Right, <laughs> uh, and that, that's about as far as I wanted to go. I don't think I would have ventured too much farther, but uh, it's it's definitely a lot of great history there. So for history buffs, it's 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 interesting stories. But to take that concept of the wolves, because you know a lot of things in Abingdon are referred to, uh, such as Wolf Hills. Whether it's uh, I I know where uh, Roses sits now. That used to be uh, like Wolf Hills plaza or something like that and i remember you actually used to have to drive up a hill to get into that parking lot before they redid the roadway and the bridge and so it's it's neat to find all the lore and the history behind the idea of wolves living in Abingdon at one time and 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 essentially before it was settled you know wolves pretty much ruled the area and and like people do today so 
I guess, and before we wrap up today, is there anything else you'd like everybody to know or uh, maybe uh, give some words of wisdom for some aspiring writers that are wanting to start writing their first books? Well, I think um, what helped me the most, because uh, when I started the critique group, group back in Charlotte, um, I was doing short stories. You know, I would just write in a short story because we met every two weeks and the other people were working on novels. So they would just write, write, write. And they kept coming to me and was like, okay, well, do you have another short story? I was like, well, no, that's hard. <laughs> because a short story, you have to come up with new characters, new situations, new settings, and it's completely new. It might be 10 pages, but everything's new. Um, and with a novel, you've got the you've got the setting, you've got the characters, and they're just moving forward with the story. So after doing about 10 short stories, I was like, I should do a novel. I think it'd be easier. And then I looked at it and thought, well, here I've done like 10 to 20 short stories. I could have written a novel, so I can do it. So my advice to anybody that's just overwhelmed at writing 300 um, pages is look at each chapter as its own story. I mean, that's always helped me just cut it down chunk by chunk. Uh, there's a great book uh, by Anne Lamott called Bird by Bird. So anybody writing should get that book, check it out of the library, uh, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. And the title came from when her brother went to her father and said, I've got a, I've got a report tomorrow that's due and I hadn't started. And he, the father was like, well, what's it about? He says, birds, because I don't know where to start. And the father just looked at him and said, bird by bird. So it's the same thing. It's like chapter by chapter. If you just write, that's your goal. It's just, let me just finish a chapter and then go to the next one. So you have to kind of break it down piece by piece um, because you can get overwhelmed. It's like, I'm gonna write a novel. And that's 300 words. Um, a lot of people stop after a day. That is a great way to look at it, trying to break it down into many stories. Uh, uh, I, I feel like that would take away from the overwhelming factor. That's, that's one thing that I've always wanted to do is is to try to write a book. And I've had a lot of concepts and ideas, but getting them on the paper is so intimidating a lot of times that you know, knowing I got to write X amount of words to get this whole entire story out. I'm like, I'm never going to have time to do this. And then if you really break it down into doing it day by day, or in your case, brick by brick, um, that seems to take a lot of the stress out. But uh, yeah, I think uh, anybody out there listening, if you do want to get started in writing, you know, uh, Greg's got some great advice there. So I guess the big thing is just to, to get started. But Greg, thank you so much for coming and joining me on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure being able to talk to you and find out more about your backstory and some of the work that you do. Well, thank you, Chad. And if anybody is really interested in um, starting writing or, or, or start restarting their writing, uh, the Appalachian Authors Guild meets um, here in Abington and around the region. And I think it's like every other month. So it's, it's the local group. It's the local chapter of the Virginia Writers Club. So, um, they're a, a great resource. 
Excellent. And for everybody listening, I'll be sure to try to include links to everything we've talked about today. So from the Writers Guild to uh, getting in touch with Greg to check out his books and things. And they're also available at the Southwest Virginia Cultural Center. So once again, thank you everybody for listening today. This has been the Stories from Southwest Virginia podcast. Have fun, be safe exploring Southwest Virginia, and we'll catch you on the next episode.